John Wesley's four points that he gave his helpers as a basic way to preach the gospel. This is the foundation. Without it, you don't rightly understand sonship doctrine. This is Jesus, the patterned son, an attempt to give you sonship doctrine that is faithful and fulsome, which is to say a go at it that's biblical and orderly. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is Jesus, the patterned son. My name is Sharon Charles, and I promise to give you an orderly, faithful, fulsome discussion of the doctrine of sonship. And so it should be called Jesus, the pattern son, because it's all about Jesus. And we get off track if we think something else. So let's not forget about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> Everything will be summed up in Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. All of this is rooted in Christ Jesus. We have no righteousness without Jesus, no pattern without him. Any greater work that we do is because we are rooted in and abide in him. And similarly, dominion, a restoration of dominion, is about governance. But the governance is modeled on him. <laughs> it is Hephael and not Archon. We'll talk about that later. His source and not ruler. It is a cultivation of the wonder of the other through the selflessness of the farmer. It's the laying down of life. Life will address this. What does love and truth look like if it's not Jesus? And how do we know anything about Jesus? Well, we can know it directly through the Spirit. We can know by people who teach us. But let's not forget about the Bible witnessing Jesus. The Bible is the primary witness to Jesus. And it is agreed upon by all Christians. It, we are taught that it is the embraced word of God, but it witnesses to the Logos, Jesus, who is the Christ. And how silly for us to try to forget it, to go around it, beside it, over it, beyond it, because it's what we know, right? So, Let's do a Bible study today, grounding ourselves in the doctrine of salvation. And we'll find that also this is very traditional doctrine, okay? I am going to use a father of the faith that's relatively closer to us than John the Apostle. Uh, I mentioned that John was a father of the faith. But I'm going to use... The simplest sermon that has a very historical root in it. This is John Wesley's sermon that he told his helpers to preach. Now, up until then, typically anyone who preached was highly educated, but John Wesley permitted people who were not extremely well educated to preach, and he gave them four-point sermon. This is what they were to go out and preach. This is it. Now, I chose John Wesley for, for many reasons. He's a father in the faith, tested a lifetime uh, without 
scandal and clearly orthodox, clearly um, purveyor of revival, and spirit, clearly biblical and clearly spirit-filled. He also, by the way, happens to be the root of the beginning of the teaching of perfection, which we will talk about probably next time. But I want to root this in the doctrine of salvation. We have to understand that sonship is part of salvation and not something different from. Okay? Right, so he had four points, and these are the four points. First, everybody needs to be saved. Two, everybody can be saved. Three, everybody can know that they are saved. Four, Everybody can be saved to the uttermost or to the max. Okay, so in 1700s, they didn't say to the max. They said to the uttermost, but we don't say uttermost, so to the max. Everybody needs to be saved. Everybody can be saved. Everybody can know that they are saved, and everybody can be saved to the max. Now, these should not be controversial today. If they are, then learn better, okay? But they probably were controversial in that day. For instance, you weren't uh, high enough born, you, you know, you didn't have enough money, then maybe you couldn't be saved, you couldn't come into church. What? No. People do better than that. Alternatively, someone more wealthy, maybe who had been christened, thought he didn't need to be saved because he had had that ritual from the church. And of course, that's not how baptism should be understood, but that is how people then often, and, and even if sometimes now, understand that. So Wesley was at pains to say, everyone needs to be saved. Everyone needs to be saved, and everyone can be saved. Okay, so here is a possible, you know, this is how maybe somebody in Wesley's day would, would teach that. And I'm going to give you the King James, which they would have read. And then I'm going to do my best to try to give it to you also in more modern English or another, because I realize not everybody is as comfortable with King James as, as everyone else. Okay, so everybody needs to be saved. And let's go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I am not going to presume to unpack and exhaust the meaning of any scripture today, but let's get the very face value basics. Yes? So we know this is a good starting point. That's what we intend to be doing here. Okay, so here is Romans 3 and 23 in the Living New Testament. That's the easiest version I can define. Yes, we have all sinned. All fall short of God's glorious ideal. Then in the message, which is not broken, it's newer, it's not broken into the verses the same way, but it seems to be, here is his rendition. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record of sinners, both us and them, and have proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. Okay? All need to be saved. We've all sinned. None of us 
measures up to God's glory. Okay. Everybody needs to be saved. So let's go to Romans 6 and 23 in the King James. It reads, and the wages of sin is death. In New Living, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, once again, the paragraph from the message. But now you've found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do. And have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you. What a surprise. A whole healed, put-together life right now with more and more of life on the way. And here we go, it's 23. Work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our Master. Amen. So this is great news. We cannot deny that, in fact, we have sinned. And we cannot deny that we see the corruption of sin in the world around us, like death and so forth. But we have this great news that God has provided new life for us. And if this is news to you, get on your knees right now and receive it, because there is nothing better than this. And if you know this well, then get on your knees, forehead to the carpet, and thank God for the reminder. The wages of sin is death, gift of God. Hallelujah. Everybody needs to be saved, and everybody, still everybody needs to be saved. Neither is there salvation any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Yes. Everybody needs to be saved, Romans 10 and 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto God. Selah. There's much to be said about that in the context of sonship. Everybody needs to be saved. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Hallelujah, that everybody can be saved. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hallelujah. So, back on Romans 6 and 23. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A free gift? So let me take it. Mambano. I take it. I receive it. All right, so 2 Peter 3 and 9, New Living. Don't repay, Peter. Second Peter. He is not willing that any should perish, and he's giving more time to sinners to repent. So God doesn't want people to perish. God doesn't want people to go to hell. God doesn't want people to die. He wants them to come to repentance. Yeah, of course, the next person there is the day of judgment's coming. Everybody can be saved. Everybody can be saved. For when we were without strength in due time, God in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And God commendeth his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this is Paul's flow of thought. It's about salvation in the first chapters of Romans. Romans 5. 6 and 8, we just read. 5, 6 in the New Living. When we were utterly helpless with no way of escape, 
Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. No use for him. Even if we were good, we really wouldn't expect anyone to die for us, though, of course, that might be barely possible. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since by his blood he did all this for us sinners, how much more will he do for us now that he has declared us not guilty? Now he will save us from all of God's wrath to come. The point here is we can be saved. Everyone can be saved. It's a gift of God. This is the point. Romans 5 in the message. Christ Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble might inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Now that we are set right with God by means of the sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of the Son, now that we're at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. Yes, everybody can be saved. And very famously in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, his uniquely begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him and Jesus should not perish, but have everlasting life. Of course, the perish means that it is possible. Okay, so you want that in? Okay, John. 16. May this be the most famous verse of ever. Oh, verses 3 and 16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And unique son of God. Amen. Everybody can be saved. That's what we're saying. Everybody can be saved, Galatians 2 and 20, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Everybody can be saved, 1 John 2 and 2, and he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sin and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Everybody can know that they are saved. Romans, back to Romans. Romans 8, 15 and 16. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So very Holy Spirit that resides in our hearts cries out to the Father. And also by this we know, because it 
witnesses to us. It tells us that we're the children of God. So we can know that we are saved. Romans 8, 15 and 16 in the New Living. And so we should not be like cringing, fearful slaves. But we should behave like God's very own children, adopted into the bosom of his family and calling to him, Daddy, Daddy, for his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us we really are God's children. Isn't that just awesome? Romans 8, 15 and 16. This resurrection life in the message received from God is not a timid, grave timid, adventurously expectant, creating God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit. And confirms who we really are. We know who he is. And we know who we are. Father and children. Awesome. Everybody can know that they are saved. Everybody can be saved. Everybody can know they are saved. And John Wesley, of course, was reared in a Christian home. His father was a pastor. His mother was the daughter of a pastor. And he was a pastor, and he was in a very Christian nation, and yet he struggled to be assured. And there's a wonderful story about him going to a service on a street called Aldersgate, and he had the warming of his heart. He had assurance of salvation. Everybody can know that they are saved. But that's not all. The fourth point that Wesley thought was everybody can be saved to the max. So let's stay with Romans. Let's stay in Romans 8. For whom he did foreknow, God, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the first sword among many brethren. Aha. <laughs> and whom he called, then he also justified. And those he justified, then he also glorified. So this is salvation to the max, and I think you might already see that this is what we're talking about in our series. So, New Living, Romans 8, and New Living not being a translation, but an easier version. Well, we'll start in 28. And we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plan. 29, for from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him, and all along he knew he would, should become like his son, so that his son would be the first with many brothers. And having chosen us, he called us to come to him, and when we came, he declared us not guilty, filled us with Christ's goodness, gave us right standing with himself, and promised us, his glory. All right? Saved to the uttermost or to the max. Romans 8, 29 and 30. In the message, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity. He restores. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed 
it up by calling people by name. And after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. You get the idea. Okay, and then let me take you to Romans 8 in the Galatian. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Okay, let's just go on to 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right. Saved to the uttermost. And here it says God and God and God and God. All right? Saved to the uttermost. So if we are saved by a gift, we are completed by the works of God also. Saved to the max. The max must mean being holy because it's being like Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, your holiness. First Thessalonians 4 and 3. Faithful is he who calleth you, who will also do it. The first Thessalonians 5 and 24, exactly what Paul said. God will do it. Or maybe maybe the message translation was perversion is harking back to this first Thessalonians. So Wesley's four point. Everybody needs to be saved. Everybody can be saved as long as they receive it. Everybody can know that they are saved, assuming that they are. Everybody can be saved to the uttermost. This is the faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1 and 15. This was what Wesley and his helpers were up to, is preaching the one true gospel that Jesus Christ came into the world and saved sinners. It's a faithful saying. It's worthy for all Christians to accept. And that was Wesley's exposition in the simplest form that I can give you, in the most biblical form that I can give you. And that's where we're starting from. That's where sonship starts. It starts with the unique Son of God coming for us. And historically, any talk about perfection starts with Wesley. So maybe we should talk about that next time. Okay, thank you so much. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you with salvation, with beginning of salvation, middle of salvation, and the end of salvation. Salvation to the uttermost, to the max. Hallelujah. Please be invited to write us at sister at jesuspatternson.org. That's sister at jesuspatternson.org. Or you may write us by land mail at P.O. Box 971, Cedar Park, Texas, 78630. That's P.O. Box 971, Cedar Park, Texas, 78630. And may the Lord bless you.